Hey guys, welcome to MAU Talk, a podcast from MAU Vegas, the premier mobile acquisition and retention summit. Adrian Sarasa, Director of User Acquisition at LetGo, joins us for a combo about the paid growth opportunities his user acquisition team focuses on, as well as a candid chat around current challenges. Take it away, Adam. Okay, Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. My pleasure. Okay, so um, I have a, quite a strong suspicion that most listeners will be very familiar with at least let go, if, if not even some of the you know, sister companies. But could you just talk a little bit about what the app is, you know, just to, to set the groundwork, what markets you're operating in, because I think that's an important part of your job, uh, practically, and then um, your, your personal scope slash role. Sure, uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, LetGo is a marketplace for, for secondhand items. So we print that buyers and sellers. Um, uh, so you basically, you can, you can buy and sell almost, almost anything, you know, from electronics to like a car. And it's a mobile app first and, and it's location-based. So the idea is like, you, it's kind of like this community aspect where you um, buy and sell from your neighbors or you contact someone who's nearby. And uh, we are, Mostly, I mean, our, our biggest market is, is the U.S., but uh, for instance, our second biggest market is actually Turkey. So mm. we, have an, uh, we have an office in Istanbul, and uh, it's, let's go, it's a pretty well-known app uh, there. And your role is all growth stuff or all paid? Like, how do you define it? Yeah, um, so my team is mostly focused on the paid aspect of, of growth. So... We do we do user acquisition, uh, some uh, like re-engagement as well, mostly paid re-engagement. And actually we also deal with the uh, ASO part of, of the app. So, you know, app store optimization, uh, keyword uh, optimization, et cetera. You guys are, I mean, uh, operating in how many countries do you have a meaningful audience for the let go app specifically? Um, so, so specifically for the Lego app, it's actually two, like the ones I mentioned. It's actually, sorry, uh, it's three. It's uh, U.S., Canada, and, and Turkey. Got it. Okay. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so iOS 14, IDFA, whatever, whatever, whatever. The most, the most recent announcement, and you're the first person I've had the opportunity to ask about this, I'm going to ask you, is Facebook's response, right? Saying, hey, uh, you have to have a dedicated ad account, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Like, I'm just curious, like, what's your general take on that? Like, is that super disruptive? Are you hearing from reps or not? Like, I, I was very personally surprised by that. So I'm just curious, like, I assume you're a pretty significant advertiser. Like, is this a thing that you guys have been preparing for? Or was that a surprise to you also? Honestly, it was kind of like a surprise, but it's, it's, it's funny you ask me because actually tomorrow morning we have a meeting with our Facebook reps mm. uh, to specifically talk about this uh, because I think like the announcement, announcement was last week. So we yeah, it was like, like last Thursday. Last uh, so we were like, hey guys, can we, can we have a meeting about this? And we're having a meeting tomorrow. So That's uh, yeah, tomorrow I might be able to tell you a little bit more about it. And uh, well, I mean, the, the fact that the fact that you're having the conversation, you know, as a major advertiser after the fact, yeah. I think is in and of itself kind of telling. Um, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see how disruptive it is. Would you say like, do you, do you find these days on Facebook, put, put, take Leco out of the equation that, you know, you're relying more on 
their kind of algorithmic optimization, their algorithmic budgeting, their algorithmic whatever. Uh, and therefore, you know, a new ad account, kind of same, same sorts of campaigns. Or w given the nature of the marketplace, do you have like really granular targeting and lo like lots of complexity that you're going to have to likely simplify? Uh, I mean, there's... So I, I don't think it's only about, you know, like creating a new account, et cetera, et cetera, but there are a lot of things that we could do before iOS 14 that we're not going to be able to do after iOS 14. So, yeah. uh, and for instance, I, I know a lot of advertisers and ourselves as well, like rely a lot on like lookalike audiences. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something who's, who's going to change. Um, there's some, so we're trying to prepare in certain ways. Um, but definitely it's it's going to be a big challenge yeah okay um so one thing we talked about over email in advance uh is your experimentation with um like dynamic catalog type advertising mm -hmm. and so so maybe you could share anecdotes from from like oh, or just the industry writ large like when you um could, could you talk a little bit about how you've tackled promoting the catalog and is the is the catalog promotion in and of itself like an acquisition vehicle or is that more so you know trying to reach your existing install base to get them to come back and you know transact um actually it's a little bit of both uh we initially like the the, the initial goal was uh actually try to re-engage users and and look it was, this was like a very very long process i don't know if anyone has gone through this kind of like implementation but it's like a process where we have to work with a backend, frontend, VI, uh, data scientists. It was like, uh, I'm, I'm talking about like almost a year of like trying to- Is, is like, the complexity, coordinate. like I know there's a zillion products, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But like, is the complexity that you're giving Facebook some, you're not, you're not like prioritizing certain items, right? Like they, they're, they're just dynamically deciding what to serve. What, what, like what, what made it hard, I guess is my question. I mean, I think it's, there's like a lot of in the, a lot of in the backend that needs to work. And uh, you know, you basically, uh, there are two parts of it, right? You have like the, you have like a product feed with like literally millions of products. Right. And then you have a part where um, you basically need to understand what every user is looking at what every user is interested in buying etc and uh and uh, and then you have to give all of that to facebook in a product feed and facebook has to be able to relate one product to, product to another right and uh and uh you know there's this whole project that has to be with categorization of products and uh and taxonomy of uh the different uh of the different products so you know let's say you've been looking at um, iphones iPhones, you want, to, you want to buy an iPhone and you'll be looking at an iPhone. So ideally, we want to show you related items and we want to show you iPhone. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, all the like pieces are uh, combined together. And because the content is not generated by us, the content is generated by users, uh, we don't have full control on, you know, like the description the user use. We don't sure. even have full control of, you know, if you're a user and you're posting an, an iPhone, but for whatever reason, you decide to post it on the housing category like i mean of course we we we're gonna we're gonna find it like uh, everything goes through a, like a, a pro, um approval process but you know it's like like the whole uh, catalog is not like the the, uh, the products are not created by us right so yeah it has an, a a layer of complexity to it and it seems happen with images like 
if you know as a user you can upload a picture of the item you're selling that can be and it can be a really good picture or it can be a not that good picture and ideally we don't want to show ads with you know like bad pictures right. so it's adds another layer of complexity to the to the mix so yeah there were a lot of things like to to take into account and um so I'm very familiar with the, the Facebook catalog collections, whatever, whatever they're calling it these days, stuff. Are you able to use that approach or, or rather for people who have large, large catalogs, would you recommend that they, they try that approach outside of Facebook? For instance, can you push this stuff into Google shopping? Um, can you leverage this kind of like sort of product feed centric creative in like a, you know, a DSP display context, or is it really just Facebook that you've been able to like actually execute on this kind of a approach? So, so far we, we, we've done it with Facebook only. Uh, it's, 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 um, you know, like the next steps was like to try it's to try to, to, to use it on another like environments, like, you know, I uh, programmatic, et cetera. Uh, but we're not there yet. Got it. Okay. Um, Okay, so the next topic I wanted to ask you about, because I think just for marketplace advertisers in general, it's a challenge. It's like, how do, how do you, how would you approach um, incrementality, if at all? Because you, you, you have the inventory itself, which is an acquisition vehicle, presumably, because, mm -hmm. you know, people want to find stuff. Um, you have a major channel running like Facebook. And I, I mean, I know you work with like DSPs and display and stuff. So how do you how do you deal with overlap? Like, do you rely on the MMP, whatever your MMP's reporting is to just kind of decide what's true? Or are you like, is there, is there more complexity going into how you, how you both attribute and decide if, you know, stuff is cannibal, being cannibalized or not? Mm -hmm. Honestly, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good question. Um, so, I think over time, uh, I've seen many advertisers like like actually using less less channels, uh, and it's more kind of like yeah, concentrating more in, in in certain channels. So I think in a way it helps uh, reducing complexity, uh, but also you just gave a million people in the mobile industry like a heart attack when you said that. I'm sorry, it, it's so true, <laughs> but like yeah, that's tough. Huh? but uh it's i mean and honestly i also i i don't know if it's for everyone but i i think it's it, for, at least for what my experience also depends on the um, the maturity of your business and the needs of your business and yeah. you know whether uh you have like crazy hyper growth budgets that uh, you you need you well you you want to spend okay so you got a hyper growth budget. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, like if, if, if you're in this hyper growth phase and, uh, you know, you have like pretty big budgets, uh, on, on your pocket, I think like, I think it makes sense, you know, but like you're kind of diversify your channels. Um, but I guess if you're in a maturity phase or in a more mature, uh, part of your, of the, of the, of the, of your, of the life of the company, I think you might, you know, you might concentrate a little bit more. And uh, I, so I think that kind of like simplifies a little bit the problem, but still you, you have the, like the incrementality and cannibalization issue there. So um, I think, you know, whenever, whenever like the, the advertising partner you're working with has, you know, the ability to run an incrementality test, I would say, you know, go and do it. Like, is, is that has. something that you hear from a lot of 
channel partners? I mean, I know fa Facebook has their built in, which is amazing. Like, do you mm -hmm. have the ability to do you get, do you get that from people? Cause that's surprising. I mean, no, not for all of them. Like, you know, Google UAC doesn't have it, for instance. Uh, Quite uh, notably doesn't have it. Isn't I don't know, that doesn't have it. Uh, it is very interesting. Uh, so honestly, I, I don't have, I don't have like a, like a silver bullet there, but what I, what we don't and what we see as well is that we, we play with budgets. So, you know, like we play with like different levels, like pretty different levels of budget to have different data points. So, right, right, right. Uh, and, and then analyze all those data points and see, you know, see how uh, installs behave in other channels, how your organic installs behave during different, right. while, while you're having different budgets. It's, um, it's kind of like a, a, a rudimentary, uh, like media mix model, essentially, right? Like, yes, that's, yes. That's what you're Unfor doing. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you, um, uh, uh, for the, for the self-attributing networks, Facebook, Google, et cetera, do you even attempt to like really ascertain like to what, to what extent they're, they're taking overlap credit or do you primarily, would you, would you recommend, I guess, relying on their respective metrics, optimizing to those metrics. And then, like you said, looking at it overall at the end of the day, you know, at the highest level to see if it's working or not. Yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly, I, I don't usually, I don't usually look at the metrics of the, that the, self-attributed attributed, uh, partners report. Really? You, so I, you, I you just look at the MMP side? I, I, yeah, I, I, I would rely, I mean, I personally rely on the MMP side. Um, uh, of course, I would say, you know, make sure you're using, uh, you know, attribution windows that make sense for your business. Sure. Um, and then, and then of course, I mean, you, you're going to pass, you're going to pass events to the self-attributed networks. And so uh, obviously they're going to optimize towards those events. But I, at the end of the day, I, I rely on what I see in the uh, MMPs. Interesting. Um, I, I've been trying to keep track of all the SK ad network, you know, our, each MMPs like take. And honestly, I've just given up. Like I read every blog post. I read every Eric Super thing. And I just like don't follow. It. So my plan is um, as someone who's not in the mix, like, to come back in a month or two and just see like what everybody's doing. But I mean, is it, am I fair in assuming that your MMP has some solution for this iOS 14 stuff and you're gonna like hopefully seamlessly, you know, do whatever you're doing now, but in that context, is it like that easy or are you having to make like major changes, major planning? I mean, it's, it's both, I think. So on one hand, uh, I kind of trust uh, our MMP, you know, to, with the solution sure. that I came up with, but I don't think that solves all the issues. So I, there is there is quite some work we are we are doing on our end to to be as prepared as, as we can, you know. And uh, there are a lot of things well that we cannot we can we won't be able to do as we've been doing, like you know, our engagements and uh, yeah. look yeah. lookalikes, etc. So we are trying to, to be prepared for that moment as well. Okay, awesome. Um, so still on the paid UA topic. So you mentioned UACs, so Google UACs. Just curious, like what's been your, for, for your category, like the whole category, mm -hmm. are, are, are UACs important or not, not really in your opinion? And do you think that that um, like super automated approach, very hands-off approach, 
could apply in other contexts or should apply in other contexts, like, like in programmatic display or in, I don't know, Facebook or whatever. Like, would you, would, if, if, if you could do UACs for everything, would you or no? <laughs> I, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, yeah, I have, I have very mixed feelings about it. Um, I, I, I actually, I come from like a very heavy, like, uh, search, uh, paid search background, mm -hmm. like my, my early days in, on, on online marketing. So, um, you know, and, and when I started doing like app marketing, I, I would apply that kind of strategy to, to app downloads as well. Sure. And uh, I've, I've saw it working very well. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, like it's just like a uh, change to UAC and it, it got completely, you know, you, you couldn't control anymore, like the, the keywords, the, et cetera. Um, I think I, I've seen like better results in UAC than I expected in, in the beginning. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think there is room for improvement in terms of uh, in terms of reporting instead of data. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, I think like and, and actually I think that's the trend that is happening is like uh, it's in terms of like giving a little bit more control back to the advertiser. Uh, I think like when they when they made a switch, uh, they gave us like zero control, and now progressively they are kind of like. Again, like, you know, we're going to give you ad groups and uh, yeah, yeah. To, to answer your question. So I think uh, a little bit more machine learning, if you want to call it that way, approach is it, good and it's positive, but I don't think like a hundred percent automated solution, uh, it's, it, you know, it's the solution for, for everything. In, in a category where you have a lot of very specific products and could theoretically do a lot of long tail search. I have to imagine the inability to really go after certain terms is, is quite annoying, really. Like, like, would it be fair to say that UACs are great insofar as they're super automated and probably they're dragging more spend from mobile app advertisers onto YouTube and onto the display network and onto these other Google placements but maybe also for, for, for brands that could do meaningful paid search, cause it's like super logical to do so. It maybe was like, in my opinion, at least like maybe overly restrictive or like too, too automated. Yeah. Like what's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have a great point there. Like for, you know, advertisers that, uh, or e-commerces that have like a broad range of products, uh, you, as you said, like you could, you could play with like, long tail, like forever almost. So uh, yeah. this actually, yeah, actually limits your, limits your capacity to go after those. Uh, but you know, it's, it's true that it gives you also access to maybe some inventory that you weren't able to, to tackle before. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. That's, that's why I said I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. And I mean, um, in the mobile world, we've got UACs and in the regular old search world, you know, exact match doesn't mean exact anymore. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's all moving in one direction. You just got to kind of like go with it, I think. Um, okay. My, my last question I just want to ask you about our topic, I guess, is um, fraud. So I, I, I talk to some people who say, hey, fraud is not that bad. At the end of the day, you know, you're looking at the overall numbers, kind of like you described, 
um, it's, it's basically priced in. And because so much of my spend is concentrated on major platforms that police themselves very aggressively, it's not that big of a concern. But you've got another big part of the industry, particularly like the programmatic inventory sources and like the MMPs themselves, um, who, you know, fraud is like, at least from my perspective, like the number one thing they talk about. Maybe, maybe now SK Ad Network, IDFA, whatever, that's like the new thing. But six months ago, you know every other thing was was about fraud so so for you practically speaking is fraud a major concern or not and if if so like what would you recommend to people to like that that want to actively combat it like what what would you do i so i believe it's an important topic uh okay. as you said i think i think it's been a it's been a very hot topic in the past like in the past couple of years and, and it's funny because um you know i think like probably like you know, 2018, it was like the topic of 2018. And, yep. um, and then I, I've, I've been to conferences and, you know, roundtables, like after, you know, after that, who were actually about other topics, but somehow the conversation always came back to, to fraud, fraud, right? So I, I, it's definitely, I think it's definitely something that, that's important for, for advertisers, and I think it should be. But uh, as you said, like the, I think the more you concentrate your strategy on, on those big channels, uh, the less exposed you are to fraud, or at least you know, to the kind of fraud that, that like, the industry is most, most concerned about. Um, so I would say it like, depends a little bit of your strategy. I, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's bad to, you know, to, at all to work with programmatic partners and to work with like, uh, SDK networks, but uh, I think the more uh, diverse your your media your 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 mix is, the more diverse your mix is, uh, the more protected you should be. Um, so I think it's important, you know, like you know very that it's very important to know very well the uh, to know very well your app and to know very well how your users behave, so you're able to find. And those those trends that you know look off or those outliers, and and I would say I mean honestly work with some sort of like technology to to protect maybe like your MMP has like uh, some features. I know there are some other companies out there, uh, but my advice would be like use one of these one of one of these tools, but also I would recommend you to have some sort of internal control like. Uh, either work with your BI team and create some, you know, to make some checks, or I think it's important. Like, I think no one's gonna know your your business or your app as well as you do. So, uh, make sure that apart from from using the tool, you're actually looking at at, at trends that might not be very, um, might not might not be very common or might not be what you were expecting. Awesome. Have you noticed? So you you have this interesting dynamic with like. Turk, Turkish traffic, and then U.S. and Canada. Have you? Yeah. Um, my my total assumption is that fraud issues might be more prevalent in Turkey. You know, just because it's a less competitive market, it's less visibility. You know, whatever. Um, it, has that been your experience, or or not really? Mm, uh, not really. Actually, I would say the opposite. Because you really? know, like yeah, because like big money. It's on 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 yeah. you know countries yeah, yeah. like the U.S. and Canada. Uh, you know, sure. like, uh, like you pay way more for an installer that you would pay in, well, in this case, I'm talking about Turkey. 
So actually, there's more rewards for a fraudster to, to do those in like those big markets. Well, there you go. That shows you that I shouldn't <laughs> assume. Okay, I think this is excellent. Um, so th thank you so much for doing this. Uh, one question I've been asking everybody, if people want to find you, like do you do Twitter? Do you do like a newsletter or blog or LinkedIn posts? Or like what, 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 how should people track you down? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big uh, Twitter person, but you can definitely, like everyone can definitely find me on, on LinkedIn. Okay, all right, awesome. Well, Adrian, this was wonderful. Super, super, super appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you at an in-person conference someday in the future. I don't know how far in the future, but someday. Yeah. <laughs> Hope so too. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. You can find Adrian's LinkedIn information in this podcast description or at mauvegas.com. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll catch you on the next episode of MAU Talk.